there are a lot of trainers and training programs, workshops popping up into this industry. And unfortunately, not all of them are great. I get messages all the time, and so do some of the other artists in my studio, all day, every day, every week, about people who have invested thousands of dollars into training programs and walked away not learning one thing, let alone have the confidence to permanently tattoo someone's face or body. It's a really unfortunate circumstance in this industry. I think part of that reason is because tattooing is not regulated. You see a lot of people doing online classes or getting trained and a month later starting their own training program, which is not true education. More often than not, it's people copying other people's training workbooks, manuals, plagiarizing, and not truly educating people, but rather regurgitating information that they learned. When you're a new artist stepping into this industry, you don't know any better. And I think all of us, including myself, have experienced some really shitty trainings and have learned from those experiences what to look for when it comes to training programs that we invest in. In this episode, I really wanted to dig into the characteristics of what I truly believe makes for an outstanding trainer and training program. And also share with you how I came about to realizing and being ready to jump into the educational space, taking on that role, and how it's evolved since then. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jade Hernandez, a camouflage tattoo artist and educator. I help beauty bosses effectively market their business and become the authority in their field, close more leads, and make more money. In the past six years, I've launched two successful beauty businesses to multiple six figures with over a hundred five-star raving reviews and several media press spotlights. While most marketers will tell you to hustle and work harder for success, I'll show you how to create more value from the inside out so that you work less, make more, and truly expand and transform your business and life. This is the Beauty Expanded Podcast. After a year of camouflage tattooing, I started getting a ton of requests from people who wanted to learn how to do what I did. And at the time, I wasn't really ready to train. I was still learning myself. I was still trying to market camouflage tattooing back then, years ago. No one was really marketing it. And there weren't a lot of trainers out there. When I started getting a ton of requests on a weekly basis is when I started opening up to the idea of possibly training. But I didn't really know if I would like educating and teaching. Now this is like my second year in business. I remember that summer, I took some time to gather everything I had learned, played around in creating a training workbook and kind of just getting into that creative process of the outline and what my training program would entail and including some of the things that I wish I had known early in my career that I found out later through a lot of just trial and error and mistakes. Once I started formulating that outline, I did a couple of posts about it. And then that's really when the flood work opened up and a ton of people were messaging me. I remember having a conversation with my husband because I really still didn't feel ready. And I remember him telling me, you're never going to feel ready. You've got to just jump in. And that's how you're going to learn and grow as an educator. That's so true because I've said it in my past episodes before. 
But a lot of people are hoping to find the clarity before they jump into something. They're hoping to get all the answers laid out before they start their business, before they take action, before they launch something. That's doing things backwards because more often than not, it's the action that you take. It's the steps. It's the leaping, jumping off of the cliff. It's the launching of your business. It's those action steps that actually lead to clarity. And so where most people are looking for clarity before they take action, it's actually the opposite. It's the action that breeds the clarity because every time you take a step and you make a decision, it's going to have consequences. And those consequences is what carves out the clarity that you need to know what the next step is or how to improve on something or if it worked. Jumping into the educational space, I knew was pivotal in my growth as a professional. I knew the industry needed it because, again, there wasn't a lot of people training and the people that were training weren't necessarily training properly. So I knew that at least I had that. My intentions have evolved since then as an educator. And I would say every year our training program changes because we're constantly evolving. And I think that's a good thing. And we're going to dig into why I think that is. But in the beginning, I would say the first year I ever trained, my whole goal was to create something that was better than what I had been a part of when I trained. That was the ultimate goal. That's the outcome that I was looking for, that I was on the right path and I was doing it with an integrity. When I launched my training program, I took on five students as a beta program. So they knew that it was a beta program. Now, a beta program, if you've never heard of that before, is when you're putting something out there on trial. So things aren't ironed out. They're not perfect. The people that participate in the program do so at usually a, a very discounted price to basically help you create, edit, and modify your training program through that experience of doing it with you in the very beginning. I decided that I would take five students separately, one-on-one each. I think at the time, the investment point was like $3,500. It was three days that they would train with me. And I believed at the time, or I felt like that after taking on and committing to five students, I would know whether or not I actually enjoyed training. I think that's a very important distinction to make because just because you can train doesn't mean you should be. There are a lot of things that happen internally and externally as a trainer. Details that I think a lot of people don't think about until they're actually in that role. I also think there are some trainers that don't actually enjoy training. And you can see that because they get easily annoyed when their students contact them. They ghost them. They're not very supportive of their students after they leave the training program. It really makes me wonder, why are you doing it? Because if you're doing it just for the money, you're doing a huge disservice in training future generations of artists how to tattoo people improperly. A lot of what we do is an art. And so with art comes the passion. And if you don't have the passion for it, you don't really create beautiful artwork. So I took on these five students and with every student, I modified my training book. Actually, to this day, I'd say now that I've been training for three years, I think we still update our training book after every training. It just gets better and better. And that's part of the involvement and it's part of really owning in in your craft. 
back then, it seemed like every time I trained someone, I was revamping the training book, trying to figure out how I could better explain this or that. And after taking on those five students, I realized that I really did enjoy training and that I felt like it was fulfilling. But there were a lot of other things that I needed to change to improve that training program to help fill in the gaps. Since then, it's evolved so many times to where it is today, which is five days in person plus a year-long mentorship. And this is probably the best outline that I really connect with and I'm proud of. It didn't start that way because I didn't have the tools and the experience being an educator to create the program that I have today. Now that I've been training for a couple of years, I wanted to share some of the key characteristics that I think every potential trainer, so if you're thinking about stepping into the educational space, if you are having people inquire about training them or about learning your methodology, then I think those are all good signs that maybe you should seriously consider it. Hopefully, these little tips that I share with you can really help give you the boost and support and clarity that you need in order to make that leap. The first characteristic that I think makes for a responsible trainer is you have to be willing to continue your education. This is crucial. The industry is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. And if you're teaching a number of students on a technique that's outdated, you're teaching them an ineffective habit starting out, you're teaching them an ineffective foundation. Those foundations are so important in the very beginning of any career because if you cut corners and skip steps into really solidifying that foundation, they're never going to succeed if there's cracks in the fundamentals of their tattooing technique, for example, how they hold the pin, how deeply they tattoo, how they read the skin color theory. Those are so important. I think as an educator, it's your responsibility to continue your education so that you're leading artists to more effective ways that are going to help them improve their craft and give them a solid foundation. I always think about your textbook in schools. For a lot of you guys who majored in business or some other subject, how relevant is your textbook today? So for example, I majored in business and I think about the things that I learned in my marketing class and how outdated. I mean, textbooks today can't keep up with the technology and the information that's being spread online. A lot of our educational systems that are in place right now, they do seem archaic in the sense that I haven't been in school in a long time, but if they're still teaching kids how to market business development through a textbook, I can imagine how outdated that is in today's world. That's how I think about educators who don't continue their education. And I also think that if you're unwilling to continue your education and to grow as an artist yourself, that there is an underlying hypocrisy in teaching others when you're unwilling to be taught yourself. I just think that's out of integrity. If you're considering stepping into an educator role, you have to be willing to continue your education. I literally took a color theory course from a well-respected artist that I admire. Even though I'm not a brow artist, I'm still taking color theory courses because it's confusing. I completed that course right before we trained our January group because I'm an advocate for education because I know that even though I've been in the industry for five years now, doesn't mean that I know everything and I'm always open to learning. I'm always open to being a student. 
because that's what makes me a better artist. That's what makes me a better educator is that I'm willing to learn. And there's a lot of humility in that. I think that's what makes for a great trainer because as we keep going down to the steps that I'm going to share, a lot of what makes a good trainer is being a good leader. In order to be a good leader, you have a lot less ego and a lot more humility. The second thing to consider before becoming a trainer is whether you're doing it for the validation and the recognition. This is really, really tricky, especially in this industry, because we are our own personal brands, which means that the face of our business, the voice of our business is very much our personalities for so many of us. Social media can tempt the ego. And if you're a trainer looking to do it for the accolades and the recognition and the validation, you're doing it for the wrong reason. The reason why is because the minute that you step into the educator role, you're stepping into the leadership role. In order to effectively lead your students, your artists, it's not about you anymore. It's about your team. You've now become the gardener and your whole goal is to nurture and plant the seeds that are going to grow the flowers. And you have to put your ego aside in order to do that effectively. I see a lot of trainers get wrapped up in this, including the first trainer that I trained with. I started getting publicity. I started getting on the news and she would get legitimately upset that I didn't name drop her or that I didn't tell people who trains me. First of all, she wasn't a good trainer, so I didn't want to refer people to her. But second of all, I didn't owe her that. I paid for the training to extract the knowledge and the experience that she had. That's where the reciprocity ended. She trained me and that was that. So she fulfilled on that. And then that was that. That was our business relationship. Nowhere did I ever have to owe her. And you really don't want people to feel obligated to name drop you. That's really icky. It's not a good feeling. And it's not a good look. When you really think about it, that's all ego. She didn't train me properly. And so all the results and the success that I have wasn't because of her. And that's why she wants the accolades, but that doesn't make for a good trainer. When you're stepping into this role, you have to realize that your students don't owe you that. I've had some of our students go viral, be written up in some major, major news publications, and nowhere did I ever reach out to them or have this expectation that they needed to be sure to tell everyone who they trained with. Now, if they refer me on their own accord, that speaks much more volume than me asking for it, than me expecting it. I want people to refer me because they genuinely feel good and sincerely want to refer me to other people, not because I ask them and not because I expect them to. I see a lot of trainers get tripped up on this. Unfortunately, they're way more invested in their ego than they are with their students and what they're creating in their program. That's poor leadership because a good leader isn't doing it for the recognition and they're not doing it for the accolades. If anything, they should be more invested in setting up the experience and the tools so that way their students shine and their students get recognized for the work that they do. Number three, another important aspect of being a good trainer is whether or not you have the patience and the flexibility to adapt to all different kinds of learners. You're going to have some students who ask a ton of questions and require a lot more hand-holding. 
You're going to have some students who are naturally gifted and pick things up very easily and are natural, talented artists. You're going to have students who aren't very good, who are going to need a ton more practice and some direct conversations. Not everyone learns at the same pace or the same way. So to be an outstanding trainer, you need to have a lot of patience. And again, it means putting your ego aside, putting your judgment aside. Just because this one person understands it quickly and gets it doesn't mean that the student next to them is a poor artist because they are not learning the same way. And I think part of being a really good trainer is not only having the patience, but also having the ability to be flexible in transitioning and changing your style of training so that you can easily adapt to their needs. For example, there are some concepts in our training program that are harder to get. Some people get it really quickly and other students, I would say the majority of students struggle with it. I have to figure out how best to relay that information to that student in a different way. That's my responsibility. It's not the student's responsibility. So I have different ways that I say it. I have different ways that I show it, especially if they're more of a visual hands-on learner. But in addition, I also have my other artists in the studio, Jess, come in for those days because sometimes we learn best when we hear it a different way from someone else. There's no ego to that. My goal, my priority is for you to walk away and be able to understand the concept. That's more important to me than whether or not that information was received by me or by someone else. Even though Jess and I are teaching the same things, she's going to explain it differently than I am. And if that student hears it from Jess, even though I'm saying the same thing, but for whatever reason, that student hears it and has that light bulb moment with Jess, doesn't matter to me because what matters to me is that the student understands it and that she gets it. Part of being a good trainer is being adaptable and putting things into place so that you can navigate every particular learning style out there. I think that's really, really important. And so they get frustrated because someone doesn't understand it without realizing that it's actually their responsibility to say it differently or do it differently or show it differently so that student understands it. Number four, do you have the ability to truly support your students after they train with you? Every training program out there talks about some sort of lifetime membership, lifetime support, but unfortunately, it's not true. I hear of a lot of trainers who ghost their students the minute that they leave their program, the minute that they get paid. They leave them on red. There's one trainer in Arizona who's well known for leaving his students on red, which means that when they text him, it shows that he read it, but he won't reply to it. That's a huge no-no for me when it comes to stepping into the educator role is you have to seriously consider and realize that your students are, of course, going to be texting you after they train with you. They're going to probably text you the minute they get their first client. They're going to text you throughout that whole procedure. They're going to text you afterwards to be sure that everything they did was okay. That's just part of being an educator. If you're unwilling to truly support your students and to be available to them, then you might want to reconsider whether or not you're ready to step into that role because it's a huge responsibility and it's truly the way that you support your artists. 
But if you get easily offended, if you get easily annoyed by your students requesting information or even affirmation, you know, confirmation that they're doing a good job, then you might want to reconsider not becoming a trainer. Because the one thing about training programs is it's been a very long time since a lot of us have been in a classroom setting. Our brains don't work the same way they used to when we were in school consuming information eight to three, Monday through Friday. So as an adult stepping into a new industry, a new career, you're most likely going to experience information overload, which is a ton of information being thrown at you. And there's no way that they're going to be able to retain all that information after they leave your studio. Of course, to me, it's a given that they're going to have questions and they're going to reach out for support. If you're unwilling and if you're not okay with having people text you at odd hours of the night or day, now, I mean, of course, you want to have boundaries still in place. But if you're easily offended and annoyed by that, you shouldn't be a trainer. Because being a new artist, they need you at those pivotal moments. I remember being a new artist as well and reaching out to a couple of the trainers that I had trained in the past. They weren't very helpful and they didn't reply back to me, which seemed like an emergency to me at the time. They just didn't respond in a way that made me feel like they were truly invested in me or that they cared. And you take that with you and it stays with you. Again, it kind of goes back to like why I don't necessarily refer some of the people that I've trained with. And it's not because I'm being secretive or I want to withhold that information. It's because I don't feel comfortable referring them, knowing that they didn't take care of me as an artist, feeling like they didn't care or that they knew what they were doing. Why would I refer other new artists to them so that they can make the same mistakes as I did? No. That doesn't feel right and that doesn't feel within integrity. I know this sounds simple, but unfortunately, this runs rampant in our industry and it really needs to change. If you're an educator, you have to be willing and you have to know and accept that your students are going to be reaching out to you months after your training program. And I think that they should be able to. The fifth thing to consider is whether you're a competitive and jealous person. This is really big because I see a lot of trainers get jealous that their students are getting more publicity or that their business are growing at a more rapid, accelerated pace or that they seem to be busier than the trainer itself. It's interesting because I feel like when you step into that educator role, there has to be a part of you, because I think it's common sense, in realizing that you are training your future competitors. I've said it before, I've done a whole episode on my viewpoints on competition. It's not a bad thing. It actually breeds innovation. It keeps you on your A game and it helps spread the word about what it is that you do. Again, competition isn't a bad thing, but if you're extremely competitive and worse, I would say a jealous person, in order to be a truly good educator, you have to actually be okay with your students excelling at a faster rate than you did. Because hopefully being a good educator, you're teaching them how to mitigate a lot of the mistakes that you made in your career. You're teaching them a better way of doing something than maybe you were doing your first year into the business. That's what being a good educator is. To me, it's common sense that of course your students are going to excel and accelerate their business at a much faster rate than you did your first year. And they should, right? Because they're investing in you being their educator. They're investing their career in you educating them on how to do things properly and more effectively. 
if you're competitive and you're jealous and you don't want your students to do better than you, then you seriously need to reconsider being a trainer because that will always stunt your growth. It will always get the best out of you. I just don't think it's possible to be a good educator with good intentions if you don't want your students to ever compete with you or to do better than you. That goes back to reason number two, which is, are you stepping into the educational space for the accolades and the rewards and the recognition because you're doing it for the wrong reason if you are? The sixth characteristic trait, which is the last one, is do you have the support in place to really build out a great educational experience? This is also really key and a detail that I think a lot of trainers miss out on. I've seen some classes that are 10, 15, 20 plus students, and there's only one trainer or maybe two trainers. I just think that's way too much. Our training program maxes out at four students, and I have an entire team in place to support those four students, me, my other artists, and my assistant. The reason why is because I want to be sure that our students get a ton of one-on-one attention. I also want to have people in place that can explain certain concepts differently than I can, right? Because that's part of being flexible and adaptable to all sorts of different learning styles. But I also want to be sure that they feel taken care of. I had an artist who had done a brow class and she said that it took her six hours to map out these brows on her first model because that's how long it took for her trainer to eventually come around to her because she had so many students in her class and she was doing it by herself. That's a huge disservice to your students. First of all, you should be charging a rate that makes sense for you to have people in place whether or not you have to hire them. Your students are investing more often than not thousands of dollars so you can easily afford support. And two, there's no way that you can be a great trainer If you're wearing 50 different hats, the caterer, the receptionist, the cleaner, the marketing person, the educator, I mean, it just gets ridiculous. And I feel like this is where a lot of trainers cut corners. And again, if you're cutting corners in your training program, where else are you cutting corners? Because how you do one thing is often how you do everything. When I see these large training programs, and I've been a part of them, there was a training program that I was a part of where I think there was 15 of us and it was just one trainer. And same thing, it took us a long time to kind of go over certain concepts. I felt like I only had her undivided attention for maybe 10 minutes through the whole entire day just because she had so many other students that she also had to oversee. It just makes for a very invaluable experience that isn't conducive to truly educating your artist. Again, we have a staff of three for four students, and that may seem a bit extreme for some people, but I definitely think having more support in place is better than having zero or none at all. If everything is dependent on you, plus you're the one that's supposed to be educating, there's no way you're going to be able to do a good job of that. And your students do notice. When we train, my assistant, Megan, makes sure that catering gets picked up, that the food is laid out appropriately and in a timely manner. So that way, when it's ready to eat, we can all just jump up and grab a plate. 
she also makes sure that our phones are being cared for, text messages and leads are getting responded to while I'm training. Because when I'm training, I'm not on my phone. I'm 110% focused and present with my students. We also have Jess help out when we're teaching them how to tattoo. So that way there's always an educator overseeing them and giving them that one-on-one attention. Jess is able to pick up on things that I may not have picked up on because I'm busy with overseeing one student who is struggling. And Jess can make sure that the whole class can still be supported. So that way I can give that particular struggling student more of my attention. It just makes things flow a lot more easily. But it also gives the students what they pay for, which is your experience, your attention, and your guidance. So I hope these six traits really help you get a better idea on whether or not you're ready to train and what you need to have in place for when you do that. Look, things aren't going to be perfect when you're starting out, but I think if you can seriously consider these six things, you're already off to a better start than most training programs out there. And we need better educators out there. and We need better educational programs out there because a lot of people are just winging it and unfortunately wasting thousands of dollars on things that they're not even getting a return on. And that's just so unfortunate. Again, just to recap, You want to be sure that if you're stepping into the educator role, that you are willing to continue your education. You also want to ask yourself whether or not you're educating for the right reasons, because if your ego is involved and wanting the validation and recognition, you're not ready to step into that leadership role. Because the minute that you become a leader, it's not about you anymore. It's about your artist. It's about your team. You also want to be sure that you have the patience and the flexibility to adapt to different learning styles. There's programs and trainings out there that can teach you to be a better educator. It can teach you all the different types of learners out there so that you can be able to pivot and modify your training program, your concepts, the way that you communicate those concepts in a way that your students can actually understand. Super important. You also want to ask yourself if you're willing to be available for constant support even after your students leave you. Another thing to consider is are you competitive and are you jealous? Because there's a part of acceptance once you step into the educator role that your students will flourish far beyond where you're at and you have to be okay with that because that's just part of the game. Last, do you have the physical support to help you create an outstanding training program? Because if everything falls on you, it's going to be impossible to do that. I'd love to hear what you guys thought of this episode. Leave me a message. I love reading them. You guys are so kind. Please let me know if there's any questions that you have. I'd love to engage with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd love to connect and help you more. If you have a question you'd like for me to answer please send it to jade at studioconceal.com. That's J-A-Y-D at studioconceal.com. And I might highlight it on my podcast. I find what's often personal is most general. So if this episode helped you, please share it with a friend who may need the encouragement and inspiration. I'll catch you on the next one.